Are you an entrepreneur? This is the fundamental question we are asking and in some ways imposing in this podcast series. Other questions include, what characteristics truly make someone entrepreneurial? Is there a psychological position one must occupy in order to be truly effective as an entrepreneur? How does one accelerate business success? And closer to home for perhaps you and me, why am I struggling with this journey as much as I am? My name is Gareth Armstrong, and this is a Razor's Edge podcast. After a decade of interviewing hundreds of entrepreneurs, including those purporting to support, assist, and accelerate entrepreneurial journeys, I believe there are only a handful, a very small few, who are sufficiently experienced and battle-hardened enough to offer real answers to these questions. After 19 years prosperating businesses, prosperating being Razcorp's evolved service born out of incubation, Alon Reyes has put in the years and effort enough to identify what processes work, what processes do not, and which ones to trust when. In our previous conversation, the first podcast of this Blue Heart series, we discussed perseverance. And not just the face value version of perseverance, but its fundamental origins, its dependencies, its flags and signals, and how one entrepreneur's perseverance can shape an entire market or even socio-economic culture. Alon and his team at Racecorp measure 27 different characteristics as they choose entrepreneurs they work with. They call these Blue Heart Entrepreneurs. During this Blue Heart podcast series, we are looking at six of these that Alon and his team believe to be essential to entrepreneurial success. Today, we're talking flexibility. I mentioned our four core competencies before, one of them being selection. And a very large multinational approached us. In fact, we were sent an email from the office of the CEO to please participate in a tender process for uh, this big multinational. So it was a 200 million rand budget. It was a huge piece of work. It would have been a game changer for us at the time. It's a large piece of work. It was over four years. So it's 50 million rand a year. And we went through the whole process and we were shortlisted down to the last two. And then a week before the final presentation, I got a call from the person who was running the process and said that we've made a decision. We want you to continue to the final, but we want you to exclude selection. We don't want you to select. So now I'm thinking, but if we don't select, that means that we're going to let everyone in. And that is not our model. This is going to be just like everyone else. It's one of our key differentiators. We built a, a core competence leads to our differentiator and it leads to the fact that remember find the best give them the best and produce the best that's part of our theory of change so if we take that out we can't actually change people so i said that means we're going to let everyone you're going to waste your money we're going to have no impact they said yeah but we we understand that but this is what we want so i i begged her not to actually do that and she was quite adamant and remember it was a friday afternoon and I came back to my exco. There were only five of us at the time, myself and four others. And I said to them, look, this is a big game changer, but it goes against our core competence and our theory of change. Let's vote. Five zero against. We walked away from 200 million rand. Aren't we supposed to be talking about flexibility? This seems like an illustration of lack of flexibility. Well, here's lesson number one. Flexibility includes the ability and requirement to be rigid when and where necessary. 
But how do we know when and where rigidity is appropriate? Listen to this master insight from Milan. So we've got critical competency, core competency, and scale competencies. Those are three different categories of competencies. So I'm talking now what we call core competencies. So core competencies mean that I will invest in them. I want to be best in the world at them. I want to own the thinking around those concepts. And I'm prepared to put huge amount of resources behind them. They will never be outside of Racecorp, so I would never outsource our selection, I would never outsource our learning, and never outsource our guiding or efficacy that remains within, because those are core competencies. So that's one litmus test to it. And there's a, there's a rule of thumb that we will not do anything new. So the level of flexibility is that anything new that we do should not represent more than 20% new competency. And we have these, we have new product development meetings um, regularly scheduled. And, and the litmus test is how much new is there in this product. So we want new, because we want to stretch. But we know that if we go beyond 20%, now we are in a, in a space where we actually are outside of our core competence. And we cannot then capitalize on or leverage all the investment and time and effort and expertise and efficiency that we've created out of those core competencies. I mean, that's our benchmark. Somebody can say, well, it's 50%. Um, maybe it's a conservative number at, at 80%, but that's how we operate. But if you work out 20% on 20% on 20%, in a couple of years, the business keeps shifting and evolving and growing, you know, learning more and more, and becomes more and more powerful in terms of what that core is, in, in terms of what it can do. Lesson number two. Flexibility requires anchoring. In order for flexibility to be an effective characteristic and behavior, an essential question needs to be answered. From which position am I flexing? Or in other words, what are my core competencies and how far am I willing to move outside of these? I urge you to hit the pause button at this point. Go grab a notebook that you use for your business insights and write down your four core competencies along with that flex threshold Alon mentioned. Now with these in front of you, let's continue listening. So you can't speak about flexibility without speaking about flexing from what? From something. It has to have a relative point. There are three relative points from which I believe you should flex. One is your vision. The second is your core competencies. And the third are your values. And in more particular detail, your business values, which is a more complex understanding of your personal values. They're very related, and we call that your full philosophy. Vision, core competency, full philosophy are the three anchors from which you flex. And let's use the metaphor of a rocket. The rocket ship is the business. Where I want to send the rocket to is the vision. On the outside of the rocket, you have got rudders and fins that help keep it stable and give it direction. And then there is the fuel in the rocket that is used in order to get you to the moon, the stars, wherever you want to go. And like in a rocket launch, the fuel that is required, you know, you have different stages and you have different types of fuel on the way towards where you want to go. So why do we need these three? 
because in my experience, if there is no where to, if there's no vision, you can go anywhere. And you float around space, literally, and very often crash back down to earth. And we see that with businesses, where there is no vision, there is no direction. The rudders, to me, are your values or your philosophies that guide you on the way and keep you stable to make sure that you are still moving in the right direction. And your core competencies, the parts of the business that you will invest in, the parts in the business that you want to be world class at, the parts of the business where you will invest a huge amount of time and effort and will never outsource. And just like fuel, you combine these in order to create unique fuel mixes in order to move you to different stages of your journey. The anchors are there to guide you and your team towards success. Without those anchors, you have very little chance of achieving success. Without those anchors, you have very little understanding of how far you can flex to and from them. They are absolutely essential for business success. I love the analogy of a rocket ship and the question imposed therein. How the heck do I get this thing off the ground and to where I want it to go? Next, we're going to be looking at each of the three anchors of flexibility in more detail. Using your notebook, I invite you to test your own business's flex capability against what we are about to hear. Okay, let's separate these different anchors. Let's start off with what I think is the most important one, which is vision. To me, vision is a where to. It's the place that you're wanting your business to go to. But just like a star mission, there might be certain waypoints on the way to the vision that give you an indication whether you're on track or not. I break up vision into long-term vision, which is a 10 to 20 year vision, which I generally illustrate visually. This is where we want to go. It's a very powerful technique to use a visual representation of the future. The five-year vision, which I use a written technique called LFF, which is Letter from the Future, in which I write a letter from the future about the past five years, explaining our journey, how we have transitioned over those past five years. I then use that LFF and read that to my exco, and they use it as direction for themselves because I illustrate their particular divisions and departments in there as well. They too write their LFF and they illustrate that to their teams. So LFF is a five-year waypoint, and then the one-year waypoint is the budget, and that is a financial representation. Those are the three ways that I create vision in the business. So once we have these three waypoints, we have the end point and then the, the two waypoints in between, it allows both myself and my team to look and operate in the same direction. It gives direction to the business. But I'll tell you what's actually more interesting. The way that I've designed our process in RaceCorp is that I have to go and express this to my team, my teams across the country and in fact across the continent, again and again and I read my vision almost eight to ten times a year just by default of me having to express it which reinforces it 
and allows me to challenge it, allows me to think about it again and again. Very often vision, this vision statement is something that's put in, in a drawer somewhere. If your system doesn't allow, your process doesn't allow you to keep using it and keeping it alive as in as part of, of your communication to the business, then effectively it has no value. Do you have a 20-year vision for your business? Have you written yourself and your team an LFF, a letter from the future? Does your budget reflect your plans for the next 12 months? And how often do you review these? These are fundamental questions and questions that many of us potentially fail to answer as positively as we would hope to. How's your page looking? More insights are on their way. Now let's relate flexibility to these three. The long-term vision, the 2010 to 20 year, very little flex in it. It's a point in the future, there you can see it far away, it's that star in the sky, and that star in the sky doesn't move much. Why it's important that I say that is because many CEOs, myself included, were those CEOs that in January had this incredibly bizarre need to change where we are going, that vision. I don't know where I got it from. And one day I said, why do I keep changing it? Why do I keep sending these people in a different direction? That's the direction I want to go. All I'm doing going to do is polish it every year. So the long-term vision has very little flex in it. The LFF, the letter from the future, has got slightly more because it's five years hence, things will have happened that have made something either more feasible or not feasible. AI might become illegal or AI might take on a whole new meaning in two years' time. And so any reference to AI in a five-year LFF <coughs> needs to adapt and be flexible according to that. And then your budget, it needs the most amount of flexibility. Any entrepreneur no knows that that budget is just a thumbsack of what they think is going to happen in the next 12 months. And it's more important for me to be working with a forecast on an ongoing basis relative to the budget. The forecast is the flexible view of the budget based on reality. I love how Elon offers such a practical way for us to structure and operationalize our visions for our businesses. In doing so, we also develop and further solidify our approach to flexibility. Next, we talk that second anchor, core competencies. Our core competencies are the things we are going to become the best in the world at. These competencies are also where we invest a massive amount of resources. And our core competencies cannot and will never be outsourced. Remember, these are the abilities, skills and expertise that your entire business is built around. Consider the core competencies you've noted down for your business. Alon insists that you should not have more than four or five. What is really exciting is what happens when we begin to link these. Alon's rocket fuel analogy is a brilliant way to think about this. Take special note of when he speaks about your unique selling proposition, your USP. But then you're recombining it. You keep you're recombining these the whole time. You keep deepening them. They get, they get broader and broader and deeper and deeper. And they have more and more gravitas in these core competencies. And you use them constantly in combinations to create differentiators. And that provides, and I cannot get away from this, the fuel to keep you moving forward. So what I think about every single day is right, how to combine this with that, this with that, that with that. And because within each of these core competencies are hundreds 
of sub-competencies that relate to that core competency. And it gets richer and richer and richer. I feel like I've got an infinite source of combinations in order to keep me differentiated. So core competency is so underestimated. And for me, the, the thing that really frustrates me in, in entrepreneurs is they battle to understand USP. But to understand USP, you have to understand core competency. You can't create a unique selling proposition if you don't have core competencies. So what's the flex? That's the question. So the flex is that I read the external environment, I read the internal environment in the business, and then I'm flexible in how I recombine my core competencies and sub-core competencies together in order to provide the right differentiate, the right impetus right now as per what I'm reading in the market. And you see really great successful entrepreneurs that are given these obstacles on their way. The government slams on a new piece of legislation or something happens in the world that prevents certain things and then they just they flex and they are adaptable using their core competency in a different way to achieve what they want. Remember though, Alon has warned that this adaptation, this evolution, needs to stay within that flex threshold discussed earlier. Here's an example of this. Racecorp's division in South Africa that handles triple BE enterprise and supply development is called Arise. But we operate in Tanzania, we operate in Zimbabwe. There is no triple BE in there. So how do we use what we have in a different context? How do we use everything we've built over the last 19 years in a different context? Well, there's the concept of CSI, Corporate Social Investment. And so when we enter these new markets, our discussion is we can use all of this and we adapt it slightly for the language, for the nuance of CSI in order to give value to a CSI manager, the type of value that in South Africa a transformation manager would have. So there's flex, but 80%, in fact in this instance closer to 90% of our products and services in those countries are exactly the same as in South Africa. Let's move on to our third anchor. This anchor serves as the fins, rudder or control surface that is keeping our rocket ship moving in the right direction. Like our other two anchors, this one is vital. I don't believe that you can effectively use your personal values in a scaled business. Because a business is a combination of people, tens, twenty, fifty, a hundred, with all sorts of values. Hopefully many are in common, but to be quite pragmatic, it's impossible that everyone shares the same values. So you have heat maps of where types of people that you have in your organization which share many common values and that I think translates into culture. So how do you as the entrepreneur imbue your values in, a, in this amorphous organism called a business? And the way that you do that is ensuring that the decision-making process within the business is infused with your DNA, with your values. I call that full philosophy. Full philosophy is a combination of two words, how we filter our decision-making and our philosophy, our personal values, our personal philosophies. 
and using our personal philosophy, our personal values, to filter how we make decision for philosophy. So let me give you a practical example of that. In RaceCorp, our full philosophies, three full philosophies are unique, highly profitable, and replicable. Because that full philosophy comes from me, the founder, it has to be congruent with who I am. If I was the kind of person who was a wallflower, who wanted to fit in, who was shy in the corner and never wanted to stand out, unique would be incongruent. So you can see that I am somebody who is very happy to be out there, be criticized, be in the public eye. So unique is not something incongruent with me. It's very congruent. Profitability is or highly profitable is also congruent with me. If I was somebody who wanted to run an NGO and then I was driving highly profitable, well, there might be an incongruence. But there is a congruence there. And replicable is for me is about growth if i wanted a small mom and pop operation and i spoke about replicability that would be incongruent but it's not i want to scale so if i was a priest okay with my values and i was running a brothel there would be an incongruence between me and the business because i would be speaking to the prostitutes every day about why they're doing this and they shouldn't be doing it and that would be very bad for business incongruence. If I was a really bad guy who couldn't keep his fingers out the till and I was looking after a pension fund, chances are I'm going to put my fingers in the till and that business is going to collapse. So your values and the business have to be aligned. Otherwise your boat goes in a circle and you see this with many entrepreneurs. They start businesses and their personal values are not aligned to the, the business and the business just circles back and crashes. So, so to me, that's very important that those two are aligned. My full philosophy and Racecorp's full philosophy are the same. They are congruent. And I take that and then they become the rudders by which we make decisions the whole time. So as this rocket takes off and we are experience different opportunities, different decisions that we have to make, the question that we ask ourselves every single time could it be unique could it be replicable could it be profitable if the answer is yes we do it if the answer is no we don't and that's as simple as it is and now that decision making dna sits in a head of department in another geography somewhere is making decisions based on that so we are once again all aligned let's recap and review your notes Flexibility is both the ability to flex when and where needed, and also the important ability to not flex, to become or be rigid when necessary. But how do we know when either one is right or appropriate? Flexibility also requires anchoring. These anchors include vision, core competencies, and our full philosophy. Our full philosophy stabilizes us and keeps our forward progression true. Our core competencies give us the confidence to focus, to say yes and no. We must also build into these a flexibility threshold that works for us and our businesses. This will also give us the opportunity and ability to evolve. Alon and Racecorp have theirs set at 
We can then monitor, evaluate and direct our flexibility using a combination of budgets and LFFs, letters from the future, frequently reviewed against our 20-year long-term visual vision. My big takeaway from this podcast is that the discussion around flexibility is much more a continuous assessment of the value we believe we can offer the market than it is about how pliable or malleable we are. This is really good stuff. Here's a final word from Alon. I think the, the often unspoken friction in flexibility is ego. Is that I said we were going to do something. I pronounced it to the media, to the social media, to my friends. And now I've realized I was wrong. And the embarrassment, so my need to be right is far more important than my actually need to be successful. Now I'm going to be a stubborn bastard and, and stick to that because I'm in that space. So much friction to change is ego. And it's important to check yourself against that. I know, like recently I made a commitment internally to the business that we were going to pursue a certain path. I went to get external advice whether this was the right path to pursue from specialists in this. And they stacked up the numbers and they said, this is a really bad, it doesn't make sense by any means to go there. Now I've made this commitment into the business of going somewhere. On one hand, on the other hand, you know, one plus one equals one and a half doesn't stack what I do. I know what I'll do. I will retract and I will not do it. Alon raised from 10 years ago would have pursued path A. I would have committed. My ego would have been too big for me to actually retract. So that's part of my journey as well is to, as I've learned that that's okay. Um, It's okay to be wrong. I was wrong. The easiest way to stay updated with these podcasts is to go to your favorite podcast platform and search for Razor's Edge. What is the edge this name refers to? Alon has spent the last two decades incubating over 13,000 entrepreneurial businesses. As a result, his exposure to thousands of entrepreneurial journeys, as well as his own, has resulted in an unmatched depth of experience in this field. Hopefully this conversation and those that are going to follow in this series and others are no sugar-coated odes to entrepreneurs, true expressions of the entrepreneurial journey, warts and all. Today we've spoken about flexibility. There are four more blue heart entrepreneurial characteristics that we are going to be speaking about. Make sure you subscribe. You don't want to miss out. My name is Gareth Armstrong. And once again, it has been a pleasure.